Thank you for joining us today. No doubt about it, God speaks to His children. That gut feeling we sometimes refer to is God speaking to His children through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we incline our entire being to Him, we will recognize the different ways He speaks to us. And when He speaks and we obey, He will order each moment of our lives, and we will be blessed and be a blessing beyond human comprehension. Have Bible, pen, and paper handy. And Father, we thank you for the Lord's Prayer. I know we hear a lot of gospel songs, contemporary songs, but still nothing like the Lord's Prayer. When song in the unity of the Spirit to the glory of God. Thank you for the, ex- the excitement and fervency in the church today. Thank you for the little cherubims and youth choir, adult choirs, mass choirs, the praying, the congregational praying amidst the body of Christ. Thank you that we have an interactive service here. Where we just don't sit and look, but we participate. Because the truth be told, we don't know when is our last time in your house. And we must give it all we got. For the sake of your name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help me to preach now. Under the anointing of your Holy Ghost. Now, Lord, you know I can't do this without you. I need you now. Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Turn with us to the book of Jonah. Taking my time. We got one more chapter, then we'll be done. Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10 is our text. Jonah chapter 3, verses 4 through 10 is our text. Good having babies in the house. (laughs) The scripture says, And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast hurt nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction 
he had threatened. And from that passage of scripture, we want to preach, revival comes to Nineveh. Revival comes to Nineveh. Well, I better start off by asking a question. What is revival? Sometimes we hear the word just thrown around and used rather flippantly, but let's, let's, let's craft a definition so that we can understand what revival really is. What is revival? Revival is a spiritual reawakening from a state of spiritual dormancy and stagnation in the life of a believer. Again, revival is a spiritual reawakening from a state of spiritual dormancy and stagnation in the life of a believer. Now, someone spiritually dead, they don't need reviving. They need to be made alive. But if you know Christ, you can grow stale and be in dire need of a revival. What is revival? It is a fresh move of God's spirit among his people. Revival, revival, revival is a time of spiritual refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord to reawaken his people. Revival is a time of spiritual refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord to reawaken his people. In the book of Acts chapter 3 verse 19 it says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. My friend, you haven't been refreshed until the Lord refreshes you. You were revival is. Revival is having our hearts rekindled with fire from above. Wow. Revival is having our hearts rekindled with fire from above. Elijah could call down fire from heaven because he was on fire for God. What is revival? Revival is a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit through which God calls his people, his children back to him. Revival is a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit through which God calls his children back to him. Now, I know you were writing. You said, I missed a sentence. I missed that. I'm going to just read the whole thing again so that you'll have it. And if you miss something, you can do an insertion. Okay? what is revival? Revival is a spiritual reawakening from a state of spiritual dormancy and stagnation in the life of a believer. It is a fresh move of God's spirit among his people. Revival is a time of spiritual refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord to reawaken his people. Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sin may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. 
Revival is having our hearts rekindled with fire from above. Elijah could call down fire from heaven because he was on fire for God. Revival is a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit through which God calls his children back to him. Now you have a good sense of what revival is. Let me tag on another scripture as it relates to revival in the book of Malachi, that old, the last Old Testament book just before Matthew in Malachi chapter three, verse seven, it says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and, and have not kept them. Look what God says to his people. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. You know what revival is? Revival is about God's people returning back to him. Because the truth be told, there are so many who are backslidden from God. So many Christians are in spiritual regression. They're full of lethargy, apathy, don't care if they don't, don't care if they do. If they come to church, fine. If they don't come to church, fine. If they go to Sunday school, fine. If they never go to Sunday school, fine. You are in a great need of revival if such is the case. We must desire personal revival if we want to experience it. We must desire it. Now, some of you desire, ooh, some German chocolate cake, some rice and gravy. Uh, you want some fried chicken, uh, chicken, or you desire to go see a game, or you desire to do something you really like. You desire to play golf or uh, tennis or whatever it may. You desire to go fishing, and on and on it goes. But when has your heart hungered and thirsted for revival? When have you been just sick and tired of yourself? How do you know when genuine revival comes? How do you know when genuine revival comes? Number one, genuine revival comes when people are getting saved and delivered through believing in the one true and living God. Genuine revival comes when, when people are getting saved. People are getting delivered through believing in the one true and living God. The book of Acts chapter 26 verses, verses 17 through 18 says, I would deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Revival is about having your spiritual eyes open so you can see spiritually, so that you can think on things above. Look what it says. And to turn from the power of Satan to God. You, you, now you're under somebody's control. You're either under Satan's control or God's control. Whose control are you under? Let me say that again. Verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins 
and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. All of us were born in darkness. We were doomed, damned, done. We were lost in our sins, in spiritual darkness. But but when we got saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we were delivered from the dominion of darkness and transferred God transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Jonah chapter 3 verse 5a in the text says, So the people of Nineveh believed God. You can't have revival unless you believe God. The scripture says, So the people of Nineveh believed God in Jonah 3 5. Well, with that being said, Let me pose a big question to you. Who is God? Let's just do a theology of God just for a moment. You know, because there are many gods in this world. I saw a billboard on the freeway. They say, thank God. And I told someone I was right with. I said, well, what God? Who is God? Uh, Jonah 3, 5a says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. Who is God? Well, there is only one true and living God. The scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God, who is God? God is infinite in being and perfection. Who is God? The Gospel of John chapter 4 verse 24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. This means that God does not have a physical body and he is invisible. Anyone tell you they saw God, they are lying. You cannot see God and live. You say, well, how do you know that? Because of what the scripture says. What does it say? In Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, it says, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Your physical finite body, your physicality cannot uh, withstand the Chicana glory of almighty God. That's why we get to heaven. You got to make a change. That's why the scripture says of that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. There has to be a change for you to, to, to withstand all of the glory of God. If you, if you saw God in his fullness, you'd be zapped. You'd be consumed. You, your body cannot withstand it. Can't withstand it. You see, Jehovah God is a person. And he has personality. God is immutable, which means he does not change. You people are fickle. They with you one day, against you tomorrow. They can like you until you do something they don't like. Make a decision you don't like. Uh, Don't think the way you think. Have their own mind. As long as you think like them, they're okay. But when you start thinking like Christ and You're not on their schedule or their agenda. All of a sudden, uh, they get huffy and puffy with you. 
Jehovah God is a person and has personality. He is immutable, uh, which means he does not change. The scripture says in Hebrews, uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have to worry about God changing on you. Who is God? God is transcendent, which means he is superior. It means he is unequal. It means that he is beyond comparison. He is a transcendent God. Who is God? He is sovereign, which means he is the absolute and sole ruler in the universe and has total freedom to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, without limitations and without restrictions. He has to consult with no one to do what he wants to do. He does not need your permission. God, who is he? He's immense, which means he's great. He's eternal. It means he's from everlasting to everlasting. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere present. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. There's nothing that God does not know. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. Who is God? He's absolute and working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and righteous will for his own glory. Who is God? God, my friends, is gracious. God is merciful. He doesn't give us what we deserve. God is long-suffering in that he's patient. God is abundant in his goodness. The whole of the Bible talks about the goodness of God. God is truth. As a matter of fact, God is the personification of truth. God forgives transgressions and he forgives our sins. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. God, you say, how do you know there's a God by faith, (laughs) by faith, by faith. I believe God by faith. I, I, I haven't seen God. I believe him because the Bible says he is. And the scripture says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. If you don't believe that God is, how can you come to him? That's why some folk don't come to him, because they don't believe in God. They're agnostics, they're atheists, they're all kinds of things. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is also righteous in his judgments. Who is God? God is a a supreme being and is the creator and ruler of all that God is. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the self-existent one. He is the one who is perfect in power. He is perfect in goodness and perfect 
in wisdom. So much so the scripture says he is the all wise God. No one is wiser than him. God is the God of the patriarchs. Abraham, he's the God of Isaac. And he's the God of Jacob. Who is God? He is the God of Israel and the God of salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3a says that God is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God the father is co-equal and co-eternal with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. There are three distinct persons who make up the one Godhead. One God revealed in three distinct persons. You say, well, I can't figure that out. I can't either. You'll be under the bed saying your Greek alphabets in, in reverse. God has revealed himself in three ways. Hope y'all walking with me. God has revealed himself in three ways. A. God has revealed himself through creation. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. I declare. I've been in the Swiss Alps, and I just said, Look at the work of God. Every time I fly and the plane soars above the clouds and I look down on the puffy clouds, I conclude in saying, How great thou art. When I stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and look look at the depth and the grandeur and the spectacular sight of, of, of of that whole place. Matter of fact, I'm too scared to get to the edge. It makes my stomach queasy. I know uh, they got this thing. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. It's like a glass walk. Anybody know about that glass walk? You can walk out there. And one guy decided he was going to just jump on the glass. I almost said, you fool, stop jumping. I'm up here. You know, and you can look and you look down and say, ooh, it's way down there. And it's just beautiful. I said, how can anybody look at this? And says, and say that there is no God. Just a few weeks ago, my wife and I were, were at Niagara Falls on the Canadian side, and we saw this avalanche of water. It just kept coming and kept coming, tonnage and tonnage and tonnage. And we were way away from the water, and we were just being wet, and we weren't on the edge. We were wet, and we were still getting sprinkled from a distance from that power force that kept coming and kept coming. We went there about 15 years ago, and the same water kept coming. And I just said, look at God. When I go to the hill country and look up at the sky, I never will forget. We had some kids about 10 years ago. They, uh, we were up at his hill. Uh, they were on a youth retreat. The boys got out the boys' dorm, and I just looked. I said, where y'all going? They said, we're going outside, and we're going to just lay on our uh, spreads or sheets, whatever they had, their, their cover, and we're just going to look up and gaze at the stars. They were so intrigued at at the stars on a clear night in the hill country. And just look at the stars just twinkling and glittering and thousands of them. And we look at the mountains and the valleys and 
in all of these things, how can you cons- uh, conclude that there is no, no God? Surely, Psalms 19.1 sums it up. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. If God didn't create it, then if he didn't, then who did? You, know, you, you don't walk down the road and find a watch and just say that watch just evolved there. <laughs> You know, they don't even make sense. You say, you're stupid. You know, that, that, oh, that watch, it just, it just evolved and got there. Uh-uh. If there's a watch, there's a watch maker. You wear glasses, there's a, huh? Glass maker. You wear contacts, there's contact maker. You got teeth, there are teeth. You, <laughs> maker. Huh? But then when it comes to creation, it evolved. It evolved. Adam and Eve came from monkey. Monkey see, monkey do, monkey get in trouble too. Excuse the English, but I ain't came from no monkey. No gorilla either. I came from God. Won't y'all say amen? I came from almighty God. When we disobey God, we set the stage for our impending destruction. God is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We must walk by faith and not by sight. We must obey God and look to the hills from whence cometh our help. And where does our help come? It comes from who made heaven and earth. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.